This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Carm Capriato here. And join me each and every week for insights from my guest host and an industry first, a live virtual job tour, a Take the Automotive Trivia Challenge, Unwrap Your Fortune of the Week, and a whole lot more. The video version of this show is on aftermarketweekly.com. Hey, it is the, uh, wow, last week of the year, 2020. It's amazing how quickly things go during a pandemic. <laughs> Can you believe it? It's Carm Capriato, live from the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast Studio. Good to have you all here in one of the most unique aftermarket resources that you have. It is a live show. We do it every Tuesday at noon. We have a shop tour that's coming up and a, and a guest host coming up with me. Patrick McHugh is in the house. Hello, Carm. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you, man, from Bimmer's Rescue out in Richmond. You know, Patrick was going back and forth on what he was going to talk about. And uh, it was only like an hour ago that he changed what he was going to talk about. And so I called it Off the Beaten Path. You're calling it the $100 exercise. That's right. What we're going to do today is have a shop tour at Jerry Kazaya's place out in Plano. Look at that. Wouldn't... Can't wait to get a tour of that place. And if you want us to consider your shop on a shop tour, please contact me, Carm, at aftermarketweekly.com. And hey, do you know that the show is now a podcast? I think there's six of them out there right now. You can find it on any place you listen to podcasts. So if you miss this thing and you say, well, I can't always be on the show at noon on Tuesdays and I can't always get to the uh, website to, to watch all the videos and I can't go to Carm's YouTube channel to watch the replays just to have it on your smartphone and click it and listen and you'll get all the really cool stuff that's coming up. Here's something really interesting that I want to tell you about is that I put a bonus episode out uh, this past weekend. It was kind of my year end. I rarely talk to you guys one on one, mono to mono. So I did a very short but to the point bonus episode that I called, or I call an unprecedented year in strategies for 2021. So I thought about some of the things that happened, some of the things that I learned as the Aftermarkets podcaster, and then I projected them out as to what 2021 may look like inside of your business based on where we've been and potentially where we're going. Hey, here's a trivia thing. Patrick, listen to this one. What is the official name of Buick's portholes? Yes, there was no doubt that you could you could always notice a Buick by the portholes. <laughs> if you were an observer, you'd always know. We'll have the answer at the end. Now, Patrick has been so kind to be on the show so often that, you know what I did? For the first time ever, Patrick, I created a podography. Now, you've heard of filmographies, right? Well, this one is a podography. Oh, look at that. Those are the podcasts that you've been on with us. And a couple of things I want to point out to everyone, if you want to check this out, maybe write a number down or two. The Engaging Kids in the Automotive was a panel discussion at Town Hall Academy. It was excellent. And that's where when Patrick talked about his STEM program for kids and also the pivot that improved your business. Patrick, that was 
That was an excellent episode also, but a lot of great things to learn from Patrick McHugh. Well, if you're out on social media, we sure love to have you give us a like. I see some comments coming in. You know, give us a year-end high five. Tell us, uh, tell us how your holidays have been. Check in with your city. That would be wonderful. Hey, I added something new to the website that I want to share with everyone. It's called Collections, okay? And it, there's a special page on the web sh- website that shows you all the collections. And if you go to the Resources tab and you drop down and you see Collections, you get a chance to see themed style episodes. As an example, this one here with uh, with Bob, with Peter, and with Matt, uh, all, Tech Talk, all nine episodes are collected together in the theme under collections under Tech Talk. So, and by the way, if you've not ever listened to this group, uh, this, uh, th- this is, it, it's, as I've said on the 600th, this is the most highly edited podcast that I do because these guys get, very loosey goosey in in their discussion. So, and I, by the way, I just had mentioned that the 600th episode uh, was was produced and released last Friday, Christmas Day, and I have to say that this group here contributed greatly to some great personal wisdom and great behind the scenes discussion of uh, their first podcast with me and some other really cool stuff. So look at Patrick, uh, thanks for hanging out with us and being here. And I am ready for you, my friend, to jump into the $100 exercise. This is cool stuff. This is a while back. I got a little vibe from some people in my shop, kind of through a back channel that, you know, Patrick, oh, all he cares about is numbers and, and money and, and this and that. And, it, it kind of hurt me, hurt my feelings. That's totally not true. And uh, the people in my business are are the top priority and they're our number one greatest asset. And, you know, we couldn't do anything without them. And it, it kind of riled me up a little bit as as to why somebody might feel that way. And, and you know, I, I thought about me working for other people in the past and not understanding the finances behind a business and just being part of it, but not quite understanding what or how it worked. And, and it, it stood up a whole conversation. Is screen sharing possible, Carm? It is. What I did was something that uh, one of my business coaches, um, Dan Taylor and Greg Bunch, I can't remember exactly which one, shared with me. I created a little exercise. I went to the bank and I took out $100 uh, even but everything was split up with my PL. So what you're actually seeing right here, if you can see my screen, is my shop's PL for uh, 2020 so far. And if you go to your PL and QuickBooks and um, break it down, there's a little checkbox you can check to show percent of income. So for example, um, my technician pay, technician labor cost represented 27.5% of my of my income. So I went to the bank and I got $27.46 out and I put it into an envelope. And then uh, parts purchasing represents about 20%. I took $19.95, I put it in an envelope. So on and so on and so on. If you follow down my P&L, you can see sales and support people, my manager, um, workers comp, 401k matching for all those people. This is what we call loaded cost broken down to a T. Okay, sure. Um, 
shop supplies, sublet, hazmat, marketing, you know, for, I spent 4.7% of every dollar that I got in went to marketing. That represents $4.66. So in the interest of time, I'm not going to talk about every single thing here, but you're looking at Bemer Rescue's P&L for the year of, of how much everything cost. Uh, down Everything. Every single thing is represented here. Even my own pay uh, is, is represented. And it, it spit out this beautiful pie graph mm-hmm. of what happens when we collect $100 in the shop. And I did this for a reason. I wanted my technicians to understand uh, what a little bit of what goes on behind the curtain sure. in, in a business and um, understand the some of the true cost of, of having a business. I, you know, when we close a, a $5,000 ticket, I want them to know that that I'm not just um, Scrooge McDuck sitting in a vault with a bunch of gold coins diving off and into them and swimming around in them. You know, almost all of that money goes away, has to get given to people, including the, the employees within the business. And, and it's interesting here that that they represent uh, one of the biggest, um, you know, pieces of the pie. Yep. This was a cool exercise, and we actually had the envelopes laid out on the table, and each um, each thing we talked about, we'd put that aside and put that aside. And it rolled all the way down to the bottom, you know, even after paying me and paying everybody um, net profit. We talk about net profit and, and what that is. Yep. And, and that that represented 9% or $9 of the $100 that we collected went mm-hmm. into net profit. Um and, you know, I also explained that some of my pay does come out of, of net. And, and I wanted to talk with them about what net profit represents. And, and to me, to me, net profit directly equals safety, security, and forward growth of the company. Uh, without, you know, net profit represents a certain, a certain um, wedge of this pie. And, and without it, um, it's not a stable company. It's without it, uh, a bump in the road, which, oh my goodness, have we seen those this year? A bump in the road, a bad couple bad months in a row, some disaster, whatever, could sink our ship almost right away. So if there's one thing that COVID's taught me, it's, it's to value that money in the bank and value that liquid cash in what it does. And we actually broke it down even further. Oh, this is my favorite part. Oh, wait. You may think that nine that nine percent or that nine dollars goes to us, but there's another guy out here that has to have a little piece of that pie. Uncle Sam, federal, state, the remainder of 2019 that we're still have coupons for that we're paying off. Blah blah blah. And in the end, we really only wind up with about six dollars. But I've been very very diligent to save that money and put that money away to float us through bad months to pay for the guaranteed pay that we, that we promise our people um, if, if we don't have enough cars to, to do what we need to do. Uh, we talk about our break-even, our break-even uh, expenses. So how many gross profit dollars does this company need to break even and to, to, to float along uh, idling? We really broke it down. And, and it was cool. I, I got a lot of... Um, I got some aha moments from our, our people, some moments of people thinking, well, I never, I never thought of that. Yeah, I never yeah. thought about the insurance and the taxes and the, the loaner cars that are so great to have, but guess what? They cost me 250 bucks a month 
in, you know, in leases. And it was a really, really cool exercise. And it, in, in the end, my, my closing statement to my, my people was, you know, we all talk about this individually. I, I pulled each employee in the office and we went through this exercise individually. This is kind of private stuff. My closing statement was, you know, the truth is I do care about money very deeply. It's my job. It's my job as an owner to manage the finances of this company and to do it responsibly and to do it so that we will have a future and that we, we will be able to grow and we will be able to buy the things we need. Um, I care very deeply about it. And, and a lot of, one of the guys pulled me aside and said, Patrick, you put a ton of effort into that exercise. I said, absolutely. And that, that's what I'm doing every day behind the scenes um, working on that. I want to give you kudos to that. Uh, Patrick, when you started to do this, I got such a warm and fuzzy feeling because I've done the same thing. And you remember the dummies books that were out? Yeah. Well, I created a seminar called Profitability for Dummies. Yep. And I did this exact exercise. I took the return of sales on every category of the company yep. against the $100. I put the money in the envelopes. And then I, and, and, and I took those envelopes, Patrick, and I put them under the seats of the yep. people who sat in the first two rows. Yep. And then it, as we were going to get ready to go over the P&L and to show where the money went, yep. I asked them to take the envelope up. There was a code on the front, money inside. And we went through every, we went through the yeah. revenue, we went through the margin, we went through everything until we got to the net profit envelope. And everybody's opening their envelopes along the way. Oh, absolutely. And, and the person with the cost of goods envelope that we pay our vendors, they had the most money, right? And, yeah. right? And, and we expected them to take us to the bar that night. Yeah. <laughs> but the net profit envelope was so critical because it ended up teaching people that you touch $100 and this is what's left. Call it $6.31. But yeah. the security and the growth and, 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 and raises and all the things that we need to grow our company have to come out of that. Yes. Yep. I got goosebumps because you've done something like this. And frankly, I think we need to do more of this in the industry. Thank you for setting us off. You know, our, our people deserve to know, you know, I told everybody up front as well. I said, this is very personal, very private information. It's really yeah. nobody's business, but, but mine. Um, but you're on this boat too, and you need to understand this stuff. Um, so we've made it simple. We've made it, you know, we've kind of, kind of simplified it a little bit. And, oh man, it, it's just, I, I can understand why they might not have understood that stuff. I never told them. I never really brought them into my, my world. And um, it was a really great, great exercise in transparency, which is one of our core values at our shop. Yes. Being brutally transparent. I mean, I, I put my own pay in that thing. And, and I told them, told everybody straight up, this is more transparency than you will have ever gotten and will ever get from any workplace, um, just need you all to know that. So, hey, Thank you so much for that. We want to get ready to go out and see Jerry down there in Plano. But first, I want to remind everyone that every episode is archived on the website, aftermarketweekly.com. You can watch them. You can listen to the podcasts there. All time, uh, kinds of uh, great, great information. Hey, let's, uh, let's open up the fortune of the week, everyone. Here's the fortune cookie, Patrick. This, this is specifically for you. <laughs> it says the most beautiful adventures are not those we go to seek. Mm. The most beautiful adventures are those we go to seek. Here's my lunch. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good fortune. That's so true. Sure is. Hey, let's go and start our tour. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Carm. Hello, everybody. 
Wow, we I are. The wind noise is not too bad out here. We're good, buddy. Can't wait to see the place. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, me too. So today's, uh, you know, we're we're supposed to be closed this week, uh, which is really crazy for most places. But uh, it was going to be a three-day work week, and I told the guys, "Listen, I'm going to stay home." And they said, "Okay." They told me that, and then they decided to come in. Uh, I, I just love my team. And I'm going to go ahead and get started on this. I'm going to switch the camera over. You see, we have a big sign out front. And of course, this is the opening of the shop, the front end. And we go all the way down to the end of that other building. Okay. Wow. It's 35,222 square feet. Uh, I'm making my way up to our customer entrance point. We are a certified safe place which means that if kids feel uncomfortable, if they have a problem, we are the safe place to come up to. Oh, great. So you'll see what we have on our stuff. Uh, This is our service write-up area, our customer setup area. Uh, You'll see our certifications on the walls and a list of all the things that we do. Our service advisors sit in the back. That's their their desks behind all of this stuff. We have a big sign that says, due to liability issues, we can no longer install customer supplied parts. Patrick, I just want to share with you that uh, I totally agree. I think that the CEO's job of every company is the proper allocation of its funds. That's right. <laughs> and, and apparently you are doing a great job. This is our customer lounge. I built this little spot right here for kids when my son was 18 months old and his little legs could not get out of there. Today, he's 30 years old and he's six foot five. (laughs) Uh, So you can see there's more plaques and more wards. And look at here's something that I think is unusual. I put articles that have been been written on us all over the walls. And we do that so people, number one, get a sense of the history of our company. And they also find out a little bit more about who's working on their cars. Yep. Here's, here's one from 1989. The auto shop leads the industry in recycling. This group of photos and plaques were when I was awarded small business person of the year. Environmentalist of the year. Imagine an auto repair shop being environmentalist of the year. We have an, our accounting room. Like I said, this is we're kind of closed, but you can see this is our bookkeeping and, and whatnot. And in here is our research room. We have all of the Mitchell and Identifix and all data on these computers. The guys also have it at some of their stations. But here's our little shop. Again, we're running, we're running uh, part staff today. And I have a stall here that I keep my motorcycle with my wife and her motorcycle in the back of the building behind the wall. And I'm not going to take a whole lot of time to go back there. That's our recycling center. And in the corner is our parts department. And we have the industrial dishwashers and sandblasters and all the stuff that you would expect along with alignment systems, state inspection machines, all of that stuff goes in the back. The Hunter Evolution, I think that's what they call that thing, that crazy number uh, tire machine. (laughs) Here's something that I love. It says, be the expert. Be the expert. When people bring their cars to us, they expect us to be an expert and find everything that's wrong with their car. How many bays, Jerry? 63. 63 bays? Yes, sir. We have 24 lifts and 63 work bays. This is our kitchen. We literally produce lunch every day for our team. 
Every day since COVID started, we produce lunch for everybody in the company. And Carm, you want to see our bathrooms? This is just an impromptu. They're clean. They have to be clean. We were the first AAA approved repair shop in all of Collin County back in the early mid 80s. And uh, here we are. I'll, I'll answer questions if you like, but I'm back to, oh, one thing I want to share that I showed Carm earlier. <laughs> years ago when I opened my shop, and this is a good reminder to everybody, uh, years ago when I opened my shop, January 15 in 1981, what we did is, well, how come it's not showing? There we go. In 1981, my buddy gave me this bottle of Glenn Levitt, and it says, in case of emergency, twist top and use as needed. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and if you can see, that top has never been sealed or unsealed. <laughs> But my guardian angel drinks like a savage. I just got to tell you that because almost half of that bottle is gone, man. Right? Isn't that something? Yeah, we were. But while we were in the in backstage, we were going over that. And Jerry shows me his bottle of scotch with, as he said, about a third of the alcohol missing from it. Right? <laughs> and, and you've never opened it. So that's a 39-year-old bottle of scotch. January 15 will be 40 years. And I'm telling you, my, my guardian angel must really be angry at me or just really happy because I keep him uh, inebriated and lubricated. But I'll just tell you, I keep this on my desk in my back office to remind me that no matter what, it's never been that bad. Wow. Uh, any questions uh, in the social media? I don't see anything, but uh, of course uh, I see some, you know, some high fives out to, uh, to, out to you, uh, uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry was showing me his liquor bottle and I'm going to show, and I'm going to show everybody mine. Uh, this is about 40 years old too, Jerry. And it was an old promotion from AC, of course. And it, it's, it, of course, it's a porcelain bottle of Jim Beam, 100-proof Jim Beam. This one happens to be empty, but I do have a full one, and I'm wondering how much it may be worth to the rest of the industry. Maybe someone could give me an idea of what my AC spark plug bourbon bottle is, is, is worth, or if anyone else has one like that, spread the word. You know, it's very possible. Jerry's also got a hell of a podography with us. In fact, recently, Jerry and his wife, Dr. Laura Schwalek, did Hiring 101. And that was just a few weeks ago, Jerry, about uh, about three weeks ago. And Jerry also came on with Dr. Laura and did Noteworthy Wealth Building Becoming a Financial Adult. No doubt, Patrick, you were speaking Jerry's language as you were yes. going, as you were going over your hundred dollar exercise because um, both Jerry and Laura have a, a, a mastermind group and a company to help people become so much more wealthy in what they do. Patrick, uh, I really want to thank you so much for your advice and Jerry to see uh, the auto shop. Wow. Clean, huge. I can't imagine the work it takes to keep that place going. We've been in this building 27 years. Hey, it just means I'm old. <laughs> can I ask questions? Am I still, my mic still live? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my first comment is what an incredible shop that you must be so proud of um, over the years running. Uh, I love the symbols that I saw along the way. The, um, the be the expert in big, big, big letters uh, mm -hmm. in the back. Uh, that is so cool. 
um, symbology there. The the safe place for a kid thing, another symbol, and another another wearing your culture on your sleeve and wearing who you are on your company's sleeve. Uh, you should be proud of that too. Um, so many, so many, so many cool things. Just the kids area alone and the story behind it um, is very, very endearing and, and very neat. My question to you is tell me a little bit about, I mean, that shop with 63 work areas doesn't run itself. Tell me a little bit about the organizational structure. I want to know about some of the players that make this happen that aren't you. It's none, none of it's me. Not anymore. I'll tell you straight up, none of it is me. Uh, I, I might be one or two percent. I like to uh, share stories at lunch when we have our employee luncheon. And, and, in, and again, we started that for COVID. We were doing weekly luncheons, but uh, because of COVID, we decided to do it every single day. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and usually I'm in the kitchen with my wife about this time getting ready for lunch. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but nonetheless, uh, we have two great guys that run the front end of the business. And one of them spends a lot of time in the shop. He's really a lot like the shop foreman. I have an amazing parts, parts man. Uh, he runs the back end and keeps everybody straight. We have, I don't have a shop foreman as, as most people would expect. We have uh, a great group of technicians and everyone is, well, is, I don't want to say that everyone is self-policing. Everyone takes care of their own stuff. We have some a really good group of folks. Uh, one of my texts in January will be with me 26 years, which should say a whole lot. My driver, my driver. I wish he was here, but he took my wife to go pick something up. Uh, he, we call him the mayor of the auto shop, and he's been with us for uh, 16 years. It'll be 17 years coming up. And we have a, a gentleman who is a closed skull brain injury survivor uh, who works only part-time and he lives to keep our shop clean. He is just so happy. Uh, it, it, it's been, he's been with us almost 15 years and uh, it's just a good way to help everyone. Uh, he couldn't get a job. He didn't work for years and we took him on and kind of trained him and and he has just been a good a really good guy but the systems and and i have because i'm attached to my tripod right now we have standard operating procedures that are documented and written down uh and they're to the point where if i gave you my standard operating procedures the key to my company and my passcodes you could run the store it is really like i'm not kidding open uh, unlock the north facing door, yeah. turn the key, remove the key, immediately turn on the light switches on the left panel of the wall by the door, immediately go to the alarm panel. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's that precise and that descriptive. We left nothing to chance and we continue. Our SOP manual is a living, breathing document. Uh, we just got new credit card machines. So we had to redo the process, the standard operating procedures for the credit card machine. Right. So that's, we look at it. It's not a, a one and done. We're going to put it in the vault and never see it again. Uh, we have our guys uh, use it 
And anytime there's something that, that is not accurate, uh, we change it immediately, update it, and get copies out to everyone, as well as have the document available at every workstation in the company. Uh, and you can just go through your particular section, or you could read, for example, if you're a service advisor, you could look at the parts department's standard operating procedures, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, and this is, this is, to me, what allows me to travel the average of 130 days a year, as we've been doing for the last eight years, uh, as well as uh, my wife and I have owned up to seven multi-million dollar corporations and effectively run each of them simultaneously. If I didn't have our Bible, we couldn't do any of it. I hope that answered your question. Long answer, but... <laughs> no, that's really cool stuff. That's fantastic. Sure did. Well, thank you so much, uh, Patrick. Great question. Jerry, great, great answer. And so here was the trivia question, guys. What is the official name of the Buick port holes? Well, they're called Venti ports. In the 1950s, every car spotting kid could identify a Buick by the portholes in the front fenders. Now, in Buick lore... Portholes came to be when noted GM stylist Ned Nichols designed and installed a set of round fender vents on his personal 1948 Roadmaster. As the story goes, Nichols incorporated small electric lamps, probably neon or similar, wired to the ignition system so they would flash in sequence with the engine. Reportedly, he was inspired by the flashing exhaust pipes or gun muzzles in some versions of the story on a World War II fighter aircraft. Now, no one knew at the time, but at that moment, a Buick styling trademark was born. In 48, on the Roadmaster. I can't, I remember my dad had a Roadmaster. Um, probably in the 80s sometime. Uh, Buick. Hey, look at everyone. It, it was great to have you all here. Enjoy your holiday New Year's weekend. Stay safe. I will see you next Tuesday. And uh, watch all the archived episodes at aftermarketweekly.com. Jerry, Patrick, thank you all so much, guys. Thank you, Carm. Happy New Year. <laughs>